Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Equity of up to £150 million. You're not here to find your head to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, the different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stedka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 85. It is not a happy one, but it's one that we are going to have to do anyhow. It is a post-North London Derby recap. Arsenal 3, Tottenham Hotspur 1. Uh, I am playing hurt today, as you might be able to tell in my voice, going through a little bit of a bronchitis battle. So I'm happy to have three of my favorites alongside to... Uh, Pull me to the finish line through this podcast. We'll start by throwing it out to Caroline. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, what's going on with you? Well, I can't lie and say that I'm in a good mood because I'm definitely feeling a little down after that result. But I guess keep things in perspective. Uh, besides your bronchitis, I think we're all healthy and, you know, the season goes on. <laughs> it will do that. And we, uh, we, we we know like I think by the by the midway point of this game I was already moved on like or at least by the time that Arsenal took the lead for good I had already moved on to Tuesday's match against Frankfurt which is something that we'll discuss as well. Uh, Scotty's with us as well at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on with you, man? Chilling. FIFA twenty three came out, so I don't even give a shit about today. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All, all jokes aside. Last year at the Emirates, we lost 3-0, and we had zero midfielders. It was fucked, and I walked out of the pub and said, we're going to finish in the bottom half of the table this year, and I don't know what's going to happen after that. And I literally left at the 63rd minute or something, which I have only done once, and that was that match. And, uh, yeah, now today I look at the match, and we'll get into it, but a much, much uh, more digestible lost at the Emirates than, than 12 months ago, right? So, so I can, yeah, FIFA 23 came out, so have a nice weekend, everybody. Yeah, and the good part about FIFA 23 for us internally here in the pod is that they're not, there's now cross-play, so me, a PlayStation 5 uh, user, and you, an Xbox user, can uh, can go at it online. We can, and, uh, we can. We will be doing that a lot more today, I'm sure, after this pod and, and probably throughout the weekend. Uh, as time allots, because uh, there's nothing else to do but sit and sulk and uh, and, and, and do that. Uh, Shuban is also with us from across the pond at the real Shuban. Shubs, what's going on with you, man? I'm good. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, obviously TC isn't here, but like as, as he always says, anytime you get to chat and just be with your mates, it's a good day. And today I've had that, whether it be at the pub with coaching horses. With my, with with another Kaz, or with Kaz here and Scotty and Andrew, and yeah, I said it's it's great. Obviously, not the result we wanted, but if this brings about some change, who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't. I'm not sure that I can feel. I mean, obviously, you never want to lose a derby match. You never want to lose to Arsenal. Um, but I did not feel that bad about the way that this match played out. The circumstances were obviously kind of what led to this. And, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to dive into it now, but, uh, like the first half of this match, I was like, okay, you know, I thought we had really outplayed Arsenal in the first half even, uh, and that's something we'll get into as well, but let's, let's start by going over the lineup because, um, Dan Kulisevsky out for this match, picked up a hamstring injury on international duty. I believe it was a hamstring. Um, some kind of injury on international duty. So we get the front three of Sun, Kane, Richarlison, uh, the midfield of Hoybier and Bentoncourt. 
wingbacks, uh, Perisic on the left, Emerson Royale on the right. A lot to be said there, which we will say. Uh, and then Ben Davis still out. Uh, so Clement Longley on the left, Dyer, Romero, and then Larice was able to start. There was some some doubt about that. Um, Caroline, there was a lot of discussion coming into this one about whether or not they might go to the three five two formation, something that we saw a little bit uh, against Leicester in the second half that led to the Sun hat trick in the, in the last time out. Um, gosh, it feels like feels like forever. That international break for me was like. You know, not only did we pod early and, and kind of throw something out last weekend that had been recorded earlier in the week, so we hadn't talked, but uh, it was just a weird, lengthy international break that felt like it didn't belong. But going back to that that formation, there was some speculation that we might see the three five two, but no, it was kind of the more standard three four three, if you will. Um, so, w- what do you make of the the starting lineup and the formation? And was there any players that were at least available that you would have liked to see instead? Uh, I think that with the players we had available, this formation probably did make the most sense, um, especially knowing Conte being a little more conservative of a manager. I think for a game, you know, that, that is this emotionally fraught, he wasn't going to want to go out guns blazing to begin with, um, just because that's not how he rolls. But yeah, I, did, I didn't have any problem with the lineup when I saw it. And I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see Perisic had started because I think we were all kind of expecting Sessegnon, you know, for his, his more defensive capabilities. Um, and when I saw Larice, I was thrilled, you know, that he was able to start after all. I guess it didn't really totally work out the way we would have liked with Hugo today. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I... It's with a fixture like this, I think for most games, I can kind of let a bad result go and you know what I mean? But this one, I just always get so worked up over. And well, yeah, we all, we all do. It's yeah. And so I, other than Chelsea, I I think this is the most we all kind of get, you know, I think Chelsea is, is over the last few years has become. I don't want to say level for, for, I know for some people, Chelsea is more important than Arsenal and for some it's not. Um, But yeah, I I hear you, Scotty, what was your take on the lineup? Because I know you were, you and I will fight about the Emerson Royale inclusion. I know I was expecting and hoping to see Sessegnon on the left and Perisic on the right uh, in terms of wingbacks. The rest of it, I was, I was kind of fine with, but what was your overall take? Did you think that we should have been in the three man midfield or did you think this was a fine setup? No, I mean, I think it was tactically the right setup. I think I, we talked about it on the last time I was on. I don't think it was a last show, but 3-5-2 is going to be good if we're uh, playing a low block, I think. I don't think we're, we were going to face that at all. We were going to face the exact opposite of that today. So, tactically, the 3-4-3 made a lot more sense against the way Arsenal was going to set up. Um, and I think the, the Emerson thing is certainly debatable. I think he's defensively the most sound fullback that we have. And I say that because he is a fullback playing wingback, right? But he's the most defensive, uh, defensively sound of any of, of the people we deploy at that position and against uh, a, a very, very uh, pointed point. I'm trying to use a big word. I'm just going to say it against. Go a, ahead. You can, I know uh, you can do it. I believe in you. Poignant, there you go. Thank you. Uh, attack. I think that it was, the right decision actually and i think the red card was fucking stupid and we'll get to that but that's very nuanced as well right um so yeah and 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 honestly not not to just like go over the whole match at once and and there's a lot more to talk about when i say this but i think if you look at the match tactically i think conte got it right too i think today was the result of a derby not not anything else right i think that's that's what i was trying to get at earlier is that it's hard to separate like what went wrong tactically with what went wrong because it was a Derby. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, I can't argue with him sticking with the three, four, three, especially the way that they played in the first half. Um, I, my argument, my pushback on you, Scott would be, yes, I think historically Emerson has proven to be our most defensive of the wingback options. I think lately he has been getting pan fried. He's been getting cooked defensively and he has not looked good he has not looked like our best defender from a wingback standpoint today 
the, the Jesus opportunity that wasn't a goal, he got, I mean, he nearly fell over. Uh, yeah. Trying, you know trying who to else defend, is trying, Romero? Yeah. He, he, on he, all he, kinds of pedestals. You know, I'm, I'm actually glad you said Romero's name when talk about this, because I thought Romero and Royale both defensively were bad today, like straight up just bad today. I don't, I don't think they played well. well sorry to cut you off. Cause I, and I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. I think the one thing that I've seen over and over again from Romero, and I think it was Dakota who called this out when we signed him as a concern, is like he's too emotionally aggressive in these big matches, man. Like he, we need that week in and week out, but sometimes in these derbies, like someone like that will just do a little too much. And I think w- what I really mean by that is a player who's that talented and knows they can impact a game so single-handedly will end up like trying to do too much in a big match like this, right? And maybe playing outside of the system in a way. And so I think we saw that a little bit from Romero today, that he was just too emotionally invested in in impacting the game, um, which, again, I can't like fault him for it all. I appreciate that. But, yeah, he had a tough one. Shuvan, what was your take on the on the difference in formation? You know, I guess that argument that we had all were kind of having with ourselves really over the international break. And and Conte had kind of alluded to the possibility of, you know, Basuma making a three man midfield uh, earlier in the week as well. I don't think it was just completely out of thin air. But what was your kind of take on on that debate? I was I think uh, many I was thinking, well, we're going away. I think we always see talking to Liverpool. Was it Liverpool at Anfield last season? And twice actually, at least Liverpool last season, we played a three-five-two, and it worked. And I think, if anything, with uh, Benton Core and Basuma, you've got players who can make that three in the middle work a lot better. And obviously, Skip came back today as well. But um, look, I think Conte. I mean, we. I think his first year in um, England, he was actually quite stubborn. He was he was he was playing like the four at the back because that's what Chelsea wanted, and then. They lost to Arsenal and then he changed things as a result. And then obviously they went on to that incredible run. So um, I don't know. It's one of those things where I definitely think, I personally feel that if you're going away, you want to control the midfield. I think, and unless your two are that good, are just are just like that brilliant. I think, I think Kaz can understand this. I think it's a Kimmich for Germany has been given this accusation that he's not a natural six or a number eight or something. And he can therefore is harping to play that position. I think we've got two players who are very, very good, but if they're getting outnumbered, unless you have players dropping back to help, it's just not working well enough. And so for me, I think a three-five-two. I'm I'm more of a safety first person anyway, especially going away from home. Especially this is a game where I felt that, I mean, like that goal, that the goal, the penalty came about from the interaction of all three strikers. So that I don't think that would have happened without all three strikers being on that pitch. But at the same time, that was and I, I said in that midfield you have to control that, especially against the against the Arsenal. Odegaard is such a very talented player. They got some very talented individuals. If we could dominate that midfield, and we saw against Leicester, as soon as we went to three, I mean I was watching intently that Leicester game from when Basuma came on, and it was as if Leicester didn't exist. And obviously that's Leicester, they're bottom of the league, whatever. But this is, I think, I thought that was just proof of concept that the three, we, if we could do that at home, we need to do that away. Yeah. But I said, but, but I said, look, TC said as well, Conte will know, will forget in a second more than any of us know about coaching and tactics. And he's got us the Champions League. But I just think, for me, I just think we've got the players now. Last year, we didn't have the players that did play 3 5 2. We have them now. Why are we yeah. using them? Well, I, 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 I hear you. And I, like I said, I kind of tend to agree. But at the same time, you look at that first half and obviously things went uh, haywire quickly in the second half. And we'll get onto that. But I want to I want to focus in on the first half because those first 15 to 20 minutes were Arsenal on the ball. But there were not many great chances. And even Arsenal's first goal um you know, it came from a, a howler from the outside where there was just a little too much space given. And, you know, I say howler in the sense that it was a, you know, a, a, a great hit and a a nothing burger of a chance. Um, it was not like Spurs were being beaten down defensively. They were playing pretty soundly defensively and getting their chances on the break. 
And even after Arsenal had gone up one nil, I'm thinking to myself, okay, they still haven't had the better of the chances. And if you look at the statistics from the first half alone, 59% of the ball for Arsenal compared to 41 for Spurs, but the XG, and I know this is where, where Scott will want to interrupt me, but the XG in the first half was 0.51 to Arsenal and 1.31 to Spurs in a 1-1 you know, game. So, and And obviously there's a penalty in there, but the penalty was created because of brilliant play and, and through the run of play as to what Spurs were doing. They, you know, Sonny in the buildup to Kane to Richarlis. Like it was, it was a lot of great buildup that led to that penalty. So you can't even really ding Spurs for, for nicking a penalty in the first half because it was created through their play. And it was a, a bang on true penalty and, 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 and given through the pressure that they were able to get by the way that they were playing. So the, the the flow of that first half, I went at a halftime thinking, okay, this is 1-1. We've pretty much outplayed them. It doesn't look like that to the eye. But when you look at some of the underlying statistics, there were two big chances for Spurs. There weren't that many for Arsenal. There weren't any big chances really for Arsenal. So I was feeling pretty good. Um, I'm not sure if if there's any other way to take that. I know that a lot of people just on the surface would say, oh, Arsenal had the ball and they were pressed, they were pressing and they were they had the, they had the attack, but really I felt pretty confident at halftime. Oh well, I always think Arsenal is possession for possession stake sometimes. I mean there was sure there was a moment I thought I think in the second half Jesus had this beautiful little shimmy it was like a Brazilian shimmy or something. But I didn't think there was anything if someone said to me break down the Arsenal goals, essentially you have a goal scored by someone that shouldn't be playing, he should be on, on, on bail. You've got a goal that came about from a Lloris Howler. But let's face it, Lloris has saved us so many times, then, yeah, you know I mean, I think you can allow one mistake or two. Right. And the third goal came about because, well, I think because well, we're down um, a man and. Yeah, screw Anthony Saylor. Because, uh, and the thing is, here's the thing when I was watching that, I was just, I, we were actually saying, where is VAR? Because normally, because he took his red card straight away. He didn't like. Because I would say for me, because I think, and this is my this is my take on it, if that red card is appealed, and I think it could be successfully appealed, because you can appeal a red card, say no, I don't think that's a red card, and it can go, I don't know if, I don't know if I can, then that VAR person should be demoted. Because I can't say Randy Anthony Taylor judging <laughs> the game. You're jumping card. the gun on me here, though. Let's let's yeah. let's hammer them on this first half because yeah. we're, we're yeah, sorry, talking about that first. No, you're good, but like. Yeah. I, I, what was your feeling on the first half though? Were you confident at halftime? I thought I went into it. I thought, you know what? It's this world of penalty. I didn't think we were like under the gun. I didn't think we were under the cosh, which I expected to be. You know, the way Chelsea were like, seemed to be all over us. It didn't seem Arsenal all over us. Right. That made any sense. Scotty, did you feel the same way? Sorry, Kaz, go ahead. Well, I think we did take a little bit of time to grow our way into the game. But by the end of the first half, I definitely felt like, the current, you know, draw felt fair. And I felt like we had the momentum and we're going to come into the second half, you know, ready to get the lead. And that's just not what we ended up seeing because of conceding such a just silly goal. So early in the second half, I think that that really cut back some of the momentum we had gained from finishing the first half strong. Scotty, what was your halftime thought? Because like I said, I, I don't think any of us were really that worried. I felt like at one, one, we're all not only not worried, I was kind of confident almost, which I was not coming into the game because it's Arsenal away and it's been 11 now, 12 years. I mean, we, okay. To answer your question, I, I was certain we were going to win at halftime. Um, <laughs> certain. Yeah. Well, I, because if you looked at what was happening, we were in total control of the game and it's like, it's funny. I got to I got to give, I got to give my boy Freezy some credit for the banter here because we were, we were going at it in, in our Joe J group chat, you know, I was saying that we were controlling the match and he was like, they have all the ball. And I was just saying over and over having the ball, like does not equate control all the time. Right. Like we are. Yeah. If you, if you have watched any of Tottenham Hotspur this season, you will know that they don't really want the ball. And that was, yes. you know, yeah, totally. We were, dude, we were totally controlling the match. They they had nothing. They had the ball. They had nothing, and then we were we were the ones who were dangerous. Um, we we were had them exactly where we wanted them. They beat us today off of an absolute banger that he'll never score again in his career. We a total fluke 
I don't even want to say Howler because it's just a fucking fluke from two world class players. Yeah. Right? And or at least one world class and one who certainly will be one day. And then uh, you know, a good goal against 10 men, right? After we were just absolutely deflated by a really weird call. So today again, a derby. I think, you know, I've talked about it on shows before. When you have 60, well, let's say, you know, 47,000 of your own fans in that stadium in the biggest game of the season for you, right? Like that adds an entire 12th player on the field. Like psychologically, it gives you a level that Tottenham is going to have a hard time getting to. And when they come to, to the new lane, it's going to be the same thing for us. And honestly, I was thinking about this today. If you can say for the rest of your career as a Spurs fan, career right as the re- for the rest of your life as a Spurs fan if you split with Arsenal home and away every season I'd be like eh, probably about right you know like I, 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 yeah. I could probably accept that and and so I just expect us to kick the shit out of them at home you know using that 12th man that I'm talking about right now but I'm not worried about today at all man because it, you just chalk this one up to a fucking derby because it's just a weird ass game of football that we controlled and should have won and sorry to give my boy Freezy credit for the shout or for the banter. He sent me a five dollar Starbucks gift card that said <laughs> "Awesome Coach," and the and the message was, "Scott, you're an awesome coach. Controlled the game with none of the fucking ball, you muppet, or something like that." Is what it says. And he called you know. a muppet, yeah, which is always good. Yeah, I don't know. It's an English thing. He thinks he's English, so I don't understand. Maybe Shuvan will understand the banter. Uh, do you call people muppets very often? Uh, uh, I haven't, but I do say I do say I'll stop at you muppet or something. So yeah, I do okay. use it as, an, as, as I do use it as pejorative. It's probably a more milder pejorative, but um, hopefully yes, it's not. I, hopefully it's a pejorative that we can actually use. It is. But having said that, the Walt Disney Company may want to sue us for using the word muppet. So muppet, 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 okay. muppet. They, I think they have bigger problems. But that's probably fine. Uh, let's let's come on to the second half because the like the the Jesus goal is the product to me of just Loris. I, I, I I'm 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 hesitating because I want to choose my words carefully here. I am always going to back Hugo Loris in goal, but he does have these moments sometimes where you're wondering what the fuck is going on. And in the first half, I had said something to the effect in our group chat about, I'm not sure how much longer I can take Hugo Lloris's distribution, just pumping the ball into the middle of the pitch to Arsenal midfielders and letting them get the ball back because we were not playing the ball out of the back very well. And obviously Hugo's distribution has always been a problem, but he's always been a really good shot stopper. And on the initial shot, who I can't remember who it came from, uh, he, he makes a good stop and then Romero, you know, is there and tries to calmly settle the ball back to Larice and it just squirts under him. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else you can say other than it's an unfortunate instance where two players, I think share some of the blame. I give a little bit more of the blame personally to Hugo for not knowing that that ball's gonna, if you're not going to catch that ball at first, that ball is going to be coming back to you at some point, and it's going to be coming back to you quickly, either from off of an Arsenal foot or either off of, you know, one of your own defenders' feet. Um, Caroline, where do you sit on what I'm calling a blunder by the defense? Which I thought, you know, we'll come on to what happened after that. But like in this moment, I'm like, oh, that really sucks. But we're still in the match. Well, maybe I'm usually too keen to defend our keepers because I'll have to do the same thing for Becky Spencer when we get to the women later. Um, (laughs) But honestly, I I do think if I was going to apportion blame, I think I would give more of it to Romero in this instant, because we know that sometimes a keeper can't always capture from the initial save. And that's when your defender has to be there and have the awareness to kick it out. I don't even care if he conceded a corner from it. And I feel like normally he would have just cleared it. So I was kind of baffled that he made that decision to try to, you know, send it back to Hugo at such close range when it, you know, it could have gone anywhere. So I, I think that was more of a Romero goof personally. Um, and, you know, like we said, Romero, he's a player that we have such a high opinion of, and I think mostly for good reason, but he has not been flawless this season. And I, I kind of was thinking earlier that, 
having Ben Davis in this match would have been really helpful just from an experience perspective. I think he, he kind of brings a calmness to the back line um, that Longley obviously being a new player to the team is not going to provide. So, you, you know, it's interesting. I'm glad you bring Longley up because I don't think that he played brilliantly though. I don't think he was quite as bad as, as Christian Romero in this game, which is wild to say, because as, as Scott, I think said earlier, we all, we all tend to put, Cootie on a on a pedestal and and rightfully so because he's I think he's earned that to this point in his in his tenure at Spurs but you know I think we were a little worried about Perisic on the left and and Saka coming down that side but they seem to just double Saka with whether it was Sun or a midfielder and Longley was able to to kind of hang back a little bit um and and it's a good shot about Ben Davis because I think that he would have been welcome in this game. Not that I think that there's a massive gap between Longley and Ben Davis. Um, I think some people even would prefer Longley to this point, but um, I, I, I hear that point, And I think that that experience in this kind of match would have been something there. Um, back to the, to the Luis Romero of it all, Scott, what's your, what's your take on it? Where does, where does blame go? Is it, is it just kind of one of those weird instances? I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of like a 70-30 on Larice taking a little bit more of that. But again, it we have to accept that, that Hugo has these moments sometimes. It just came in a really inopportune moment. If this moment comes when we're up 3-1 and it makes it 3-2, it's like no big deal because you can hang on from there. But instead, yeah. it came in a 1-1 right out of half. It's tough, man. I mean, I like I want to dissect like, everything right i was thinking gosh should should longley have just played on the right and and davies on the left of dire raid because we all know longley is super versatile and that was a big piece of the, of the loan right then and i'm sitting here like well no nothing should have changed because we should have won today you know if you really look at what happened and so i to your to your question i don't i just think it was again it was a weird fucking deal i think i probably have to put more blame on on romero and I only say that because I think I think as a defender in that magnitude of a match, you have to be pretty pre- prepared to clear your lines and just put the ball in the fucking stands at any given moment, right? It's like it's a game like that is so fragile and on a knife's edge that I think maybe to my point about Romero kind of just feeling himself a little bit too much in that big of a match, right? Like the confidence to like try to play that into like Hugo's comfort, right. As opposed to just smashing that thing into the sideline, I think is if I had to find blame, that's probably where it lies. But like, it's just a weird fucking deal, man, that I think anybody could have been a part of. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think if I'm the manager, I stick him right back out next game and say, shake it off, dude, and fucking roll on. Right. But Yeah. Do you guys want to, talk about anthony taylor now or <laughs> as a well as you know a fellow, i have opinions <laughs> yeah i mean as, I a, as, a, as, as a fellow as a fellow bald i feel some responsibility in terms of defending <laughs> a, another bald but um man it was weird uh, so the first half of this match i thought was very very physical and i thought there were probably three or four instances where bookings could have been issued in the first half. We saw the one instance where uh, Odegaard was pulling on Sun's shirt. There were a number of other tackles that I thought could have been bookable offenses. I think you're going to get that in a Derby. And unless you control it early, you know, you're, you're going to have to let that happen to come out in the second half. And obviously we all, as we all said, even after giving up that goal to Jesus, I think all of us felt Spurs were still really in this match until about 10 or so minutes after when Emerson Royale goes in for a challenge and it's a bad challenge. I I don't think, I don't think any of us can say that that's a common foul. I don't think any of us can say that it's not at least a yellow card, but the straight red comes out and I'll just say this for the listeners in our, within our group chat, I was the only one saying, yeah, that's a red. That's I, I see why that's a red why that's a straight red and it's a foolish challenge and everyone else in the group was saying that's a that's a and and honestly not just in the group a lot of the the internet opinion was that that's a foolish uh decision by anthony taylor carolyn you obviously agree with that so i want you to present the present the screw anthony taylor case for us 
Okay, so here's here's my view. I would not have a problem. I mean, I would have some problem with Anthony Taylor basically letting the game get away from him in the first half. You know, I think he was not calling challenges on both sides. But I could deal with that if it did not alter the game. And my personal feeling is that taking the decision to give the red card to Royale did alter the game. And it... In a way, in a way that was out of Spurs' control, like in the context of the game, I think the ref became the main character essentially, and changed the course of the game. And yeah. I'm not saying that Royale didn't commit a foul; like he definitely did. It was stupid of him to do that, especially from the position he was in. You know, so so far away from Arsenal even being on an attack, it's like why did he even do that? It was so stupid. Um, I just don't think there was enough intention in it for it to be a red. I don't think there was enough, I don't know, how do I say this, severity for it to be a red. And it's a pity that he made the decision to, to foul in the first place because he gave Taylor the opportunity to insert himself into the game. That's, I, I, that's I my think, biggest I think that's the key. I think that's the I think that's the key phrase right there is yeah. that he but gave I him the opportunity. But I still think it was not a red. <laughs> and in, I in, in my opinion, the foul, the, the foul in isolation removed from the context of the way that the game had been officiated in isolation, that is a red card foul. Um, I disagree I think with that too, but I, I still think the context is extremely important. I, I agree with, with it you. being a Derby match. I, I think the context is important, but I think that the, the foul, if you, if you just watch the highlight of the foul, and don't know what has happened in the game leading up to that point. I think it's legitimate to think that that could be a red card foul. Um, but not but the like, way that Taylor has been officiating. I think well, that's, that's, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. Consistent within his own standard. That's, yeah. that's, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make is that when you, when you remove the, the, that one moment in isolation and watch it in isolation and see that foul, I think that can be judged as a red card foul. I don't think anyone can, argue with the severity of the foul it's a it's a severe tackle on an on an ankle calf area um that is it's it's a bad foul but i agree with you that in the context of the match it it deserved a yellow card and 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 a yellow card in like the if you commit another foul that's even anywhere close to that that's a second yellow card. like it's like a that's a last stand type of yellow card it's a if you will, a harsh yellow, almost an orange card, if you will. Like, I don't think anyone would have had a problem with that decision. Yeah, That would have well, made sense in the game. I think his thing, though, if you look at the reverse picture last season, you had, I think, I can't remember who the referee was for the Spurs-Arsenal game, but you had, I think, three or four times the referee was saying, look, this is your last warning or this is your second warning, whatever. There were, there were a lot of those, you're right. I and there was a lot of those and it, until, I think, I forgot his name, Jeb, whoever, I forgot, Rob Holding got sent off and he said, look, I've given you a warning, this is your last whatever warning. Now, I actually was watching a, a clip from the Fulham-Newcastle um, match and I can't remember the lad who got sent off, but when you look at that, that was extremely dangerous. He goes in with speed, he is, clearly has no idea to know win the ball or not. That's a very dangerous tackle. And if I was codifying that this is a red tackle or that's not, I think, yeah, I think orange, I think we have, we have, to, we have to see an orange orange card or something because that was definitely a red card, the Fulham tackle I saw. This was, I think, a foolish tackle in terms of the fact that, as Kaz said, you know, it, it really didn't do that much. I mean, you could have, I'm not, you could have just stood your ground. It wasn't like one of those tactical fouls or something. It was a clumsy challenge, I think. Whether way Martelli went down, Obviously, it's a bit weird, me being a bank heritage saying, oh, typical foreigners, they all go down like that. <laughs> but, they, but they, honestly, when I saw that, I just thought it was, it was like the dying swan, I'm dying, I'm dying. And as soon as he got the red card, that's it. It's a miracle. I'm alive. Yeah, but oh, you know man. what? You know what we could say? And, and this is another thing I had written down that I actually wanted to talk about, but I'm not going to divert us right now. But that's, that's essentially a Richarlison move. That is football. Yeah, it's part of the game. By the way, by the way, the the official in the May, the match from May uh, was Paul Tierney. Um, so there's another example of a guy who didn't have control, <laughs> didn't have control of it. Um, Scotty, what's your take on this red? Because I obviously, like I said, I, I was the most um, kind of accepting of it in in terms of yeah, that's that's a red card, even though 
and and I, I want to go back to what you said, Caroline, because like I think you said the fact that he gave him the opportunity gave uh, Anthony Taylor the opportunity to make that call. He being Royale, that's the biggest gripe I think I have. You cannot give an official the opportunity to make that call. But Scott, what I mean, what's your take? I mean, honestly, if like if you take that vowel and set it to the side of everything else and just like one YouTube 20 second clip, right? I would say I need so much more information before I can tell you if that's a red card. Like there's just no way there's, and, and I think like, I know we've said that, but like, really my point is, is that there, there's no, you, there's no point in even like going down the path of logically trying to decipher if that's a red card without the context of the game. And because of that, absolutely not a red card that's the only way that you can look at this um and i think my issue with it is i i know obviously we're a spurs pot right so it's the first thing anybody who's not a spurs fan is going to think is this is a biased take but i i i when you look at the match and you guys there's nothing i can say that you guys haven't already said but when you look at the match anthony taylor you could tell his attitude was I'm going to let this game be played because it's a derby and I'm not going to going to get involved unless I absolutely have to. Right. I think that foul requires him to absolutely get involved with a fucking yellow card and start to say, guys, it's a 60 second minute or whatever. This game is getting chippy. This is a derby. I understand. You pull the captains aside and you say, it's time to calm down. That's a fucking hard tackle, yellow card, watch your shit. I need everyone to calm down and we need to continue to play football, right? That didn't happen. He gave a straight red card. The Hulk stadium was confused. Everyone on the field was confused. Nobody on the field, including Arsenal players, thought that was going to happen, right? Um, and because of that, I think my my issue and my point is that is one the one of the most subjective decisions I've I've seen regarding a red card because of the lack of anything else happening up to that point. There is such an argument to be made that at that point, Anthony Taylor has a decision to make where he knows he has a decision to make and can make two decisions. One that should be made to progress the game in a manner that I just went over. And one that instantly gives one team a way better chance of getting a result out of nowhere outside of the context of the match right so because of that it's just it's way too subjective for me to have any other opinion other than an absolutely terrible red card um and i will never ever ever be convinced that it's not sorry if you're trying to shivan that's not that's not my prep but over to you what i'm gonna say is this i I can stand the heat at the moment he might have done it whatever for me this is where var could come in and say look have another look at that tackle because they did that for the Fulham tackle. They actually did. They actually, he went in. He had another look. He had did all the things. The, the time had dissipated from The emotion dissipated from it. And he was like, yeah, that's it. You're off. And that's the only thing I would have said. That's what VR is there for. Is like, if there's any doubt, why did that not happen? I, like, I don't know how VR... I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to blame VAR, but I just couldn't understand if there's like, wait a minute. Oh, well, that's going to get weird, harsh. And like, maybe you want to have another look at that. I, I get what you're... I get what you're saying about that, Shuvan. I understand yeah. your point, but here's the thing. If he does do that and he goes back and he looks at it, if he looks at the foul on replay, it the like I like I've said, the foul is worthy of a red card. The, the the severity of the foul is worthy of a red card. It's 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 putting it in context with the rest of the match. So is Anthony Taylor gonna go back and look at that and say, well, now that I think about it, I haven't really been dishing out. I mean, the, that was the first booking of the game, was a straight red. He had not given out anything up until that point, up until uh, what was it, 60, 60 second minute. So we're, we're we're over an hour into this match. He hasn't given a booking. Is he really going to go back and sit and think to himself, "Well, I haven't really been officiating this match in this way"? No, he's going to look at the foul in isolation and say, "In isolation, that is a red card offense because he, you know, he took his he took his cleat right into the back of the guy's ankle slash calf." Um, I think in isolation, it, it, it even if he goes back and looks at it, he's not going to reverse his own decision based on context of the game. So I get what you're saying in that in that sense, but but VAR has to be used, and and there's a massive argument that that can be said as to whether it has been used in this way. It has to be used for the clear and obvious. 
And if you go back and look at that foul, it's not, and think about it from this context too. If that's a foul that, uh, that, that Granit Xhaka puts on, on human son down, down, the, down the line we're and, and it gets reversed from a red to a yellow, we're all losing our minds. So I think about it from that context too. You know, you always have to put your, put the shoe on the other foot and, and think, no, if, if I'm on the other part there, like I'm thinking, no, if you foul Sonny like that, I want a red card. So I, I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at with that. I hear what you're saying. I just think Shubon, I think is trying to say that VAR had this opportunity to put the foul back in the context of the game, essentially, and not have, but I don't, but I don't think that's what VAR is for. I think, no, but I think it is. I think it's supposed to prevent referees from unilaterally changing a game like we saw today. And I'm not just saying this as a salty Spurs fan, which obviously I am in this moment, but I, I no, seriously, I think no, there's I'm, so I'm, many, I'm, I'm, so I'm many examples at you. this I'm season. You. Yeah, I know. But there have been so many examples this season. Like, I think there was a really clear case. I think it was Crystal Palace was playing Newcastle. And there was a goal overruled for such a ridiculous thing. And it's like VAR and the refs are not working in tandem the way they're supposed to be. Like something is seriously wrong with the relationship right now. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. It's just, it's one of those, I don't know. I, I could not see, I couldn't see VAR pulling that one back uh, even even if it was being utilized in that way it just it just it, it, it's hard for me to see it going down that rabbit hole but i hear you um moments later we get the the the, the, the granite jaka goal um and that's kind of all true honestly it's funny before the red card i had put in the group i wonder if now would be the time to flip formations and bring on basuma for richarlison because i don't think and this is kind of what i wanted to get into with richarlison i don't think richarlison had a great match um i thought he was running around a lot and giving some energy but i thought he was also falling down a lot and doing those kinds of Richarlison and things that that we always used to get mad at him about when he was not wearing white um and i wasn't sure if it was it was that time to maybe flip the script and try and take control of that midfield with about 30 25 30 minutes to go instead the red card comes about and everything changed obviously um I guess the only the only other thing to take away from this match, because once Spurs went down a man and then went down three one five minutes later, I thought, OK, mm-hmm. well, that's a wrap. This thing's over. Obviously, you're not coming back from two goals down and down a man. But mm-hmm. I thought it was nice to at least see some mm-hmm. substitutions made by Conte. He did use all five of his subs, four of them at once, which was kind of wild to see. Uh, he brought on Davison Sanchez, Ryan Sessegnon, Eve Basuma and Matt Doherty which is notable because we have not seen Matt Doherty in quite some time. And then he brought on Oliver Skip a few minutes later, which was even more notable because we have not seen Oliver Skip since I think it's January, the last time he played a competitive match for Spurs. So um, I don't know. Is there anything more to be said other than it was nice to see some of these guys get into the mix a little bit, even in a match that was pretty much decided. I was really pleased to see Skippy run onto the field. That was like a brief moment of, oh my gosh, it's nice to see Skip even in the context of what was going on on the pitch. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I was delighted to see Skip because you know what? If Harry Maguire can make it into the English squad without playing for Man United, then there is still room for my, for my prediction of Oliver Skip making the yeah, World yeah. Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. There's no, time. There's a little honestly, bit of time left. A couple weeks. I, I, I want him on the plane to, to Qatar, but I the, the substitutions are interesting. The main talking point for me is this is totally, I don't know, maybe a hot take it, maybe not, but they, those substitutions told me that we weren't going for, we weren't going for goals to equalize, right? No, was, they told us we were trying to keep it at 3-1. Yeah, it's, it's I don't think that's a hot take though, at all because I totally agree with it. Yeah, it's interesting though because there's every reason to think with the talent at our disposal that you can come, you can come back. It, it leads me to start to think like, it. Does Conte like if you look at how at how successful he is across a thirty eight game season, just over and over and over, right? Do, does he like mathematically just like write these away huge derbies off points wise, right? Because I'm serious though, because at eighty minutes you can score two goals for sure. You can, um, but you but can. in the way that Spurs easily. play, 
you can, but in the way that Spurs play where they don't have a lot of the ball and they're down a man at that point and you need yeah. two of them to get a point, I don't know. That that feels like yeah, a tall but, task. Well, here's the thing. You can score two goals and for sure, no matter what, I hear you and you're right, but I'm saying like you can always score two goals and my what why I say that is like all those guys needed fucking minutes badly. So Conte yeah. saying fuck it. I already wrote these points off mathematically three months ago with my fucking math team, right? That I probably have. And I'm just going to get these guys minutes because fuck it. I don't need these three points anyways. Today's a weird one. I'm not really upset with what happened. I'm not upset with my selection. I'm not upset with my team. Weird fucking game. Wrote it off anyways with the boys. Let's fucking throw these guys out and give them some minutes, right? I think that's maybe what happened today because the substitutions, if that's not what happened, then like Maybe Conte's mad at the team and said, fuck you guys. I'm putting out all these defenders to prove a point. But then I'm like, what is he mad about? Like, we, did, we didn't play bad today. We controlled the game. We lost. So I don't know. I really think it was just him saying, fuck it. Let's get the guys some minutes. Go ahead, Karan. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with you. I think he had written the game off. I don't know if it was in advance, but definitely by that point in the game, like we all had, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone watching as a fan, I will admit I barely watched the last 20 minutes like I know Skip and Doherty came in and made some touches I couldn't tell you how they did um because I was I was tuned out but yeah I think the the important thing the point that you're making I think is that Conde is so focused on the long-term plan and he has to have in the back of his mind Champions League is coming up Tuesday we can't afford to have another stumble in that competition so he's not going to risk keeping Sun out there He's not going to risk Richarlison. You know, he's got to he's got to keep everybody fit. And that's the kind of game where mm-hmm. things could get ugly, you know. Well, especially um, especially with injuries to Kulisevsky and right. injury to Ben that Davis. Makes it even he got, got Longley off the pitch. He got yeah, Richarlison off the pitch to 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 preserve them for like you said for Tuesday. And I think I think that's spot on. And I think it I think I, Scott, I don't think he had written this match off 3 months ago. I do think Whoa. that at the moment that they got their third goal I do think at that point you say, okay, guys, like that's, that's good. Like we, we're not going to get this one. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I see. I, but I think like what I really meant by that is there is so much data dumped into this now. Right. And I hate it, but it, it is what it is. Right. It's there. And I think again, when I, when I said, this is like important for me to reiterate, like when I said Conte is so talented at winning over a 38 game season, you look at a 38 game season, are we going to go invincible? Fuck no. Absolutely not, right? Never going to happen. Okay, where are we dropping points? Where can I structure my plan to conceivably maybe drop some points? Away at Arsenal? Circle that one. Fucking number one, right? That's literally the first game I'm circling. Like, maybe we drop some points because I can be so prepared with the right selection and the right fresh legs and blah, 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 and then the derby just fucking rolls over you, and then that's it, right? What happened yeah. today? So I think that's what I mean by that, like, I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not because if you if you're data focused and you're data first, like Conte has to be at this point, right, to win every single season he plays in, you know where to drop points. And today was certainly the first game circle is my point, right? Um, and so again, not that he was going in to lose, but when you know all of that as the premise, and then you're down three one in the 80th, and you got five guys that need minutes, let's go, baby, right? Yeah. And I really think that happened today so. no i hear you i it is the first uh league loss for spurs since april the 16th of last season uh the one nil at home to brighton um which is notable i mean it, they they were on a what was it, 13 or so match uh unbeaten run um in the league which is which is great and now we get to start another one uh come next week against brighton uh before that as you alluded to caroline we're on to tuesday the, the, the cool part about losing a match to Arsenal in this context is that they have to wait till Thursday to play. We get to play on Tuesday, um, which is nice. It is Frankfurt away, uh, as as you alluded to. So, you know, another another two-match week. And it's going to be a busy, what is it, six weeks or so leading up to the World Cup break. Um, it's going to be like two matches, you know, every week. So Frankfurt and then Brighton next weekend, but two away matches um it's a hell of a away run away today away midweek uh i think we we come back next week for frankfurt home uh in the champions league but um 
it's a it's a hell of a run i guess i it's expected too because i think there's a the, the nfl game uh, <laughs> is at, at, at the tottenham hotspur stadium uh tomorrow as we record this on october 2nd the uh the vikings and saints are playing so spurs have to kind of clear out um, a little bit i was running past it and uh, not insulting arsenal turned to fuck off back to Woolwich, and um there was there was like loads of because i think i think actually there's a thing they don't feature it in our in our local media here uh, the NFL coming. And uh, the only reason I'd even know there was the NFL is apart from my friends coming over to watch it. But there's a, because I, I take a bus through time sometimes and there's like NFL little stickers and stuff like that. Yeah. But that's it. I don't know if this was a game that was arranged because I'm actually going to the Brighton away game next week. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. It's like, it's, it's weird because I did see a lot of people, it's ridiculous because they'll be shutting down huge parts of, uh, of Tom High Road to sort out the NFL. So I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see because I don't know. I've, I've been to the Spurs shop. They, I, I think they were also changing the Spurs store to be more NFL-y. I don't know if that's a term. <laughs> that's a term. <laughs> they were just it's, it. If it's not, it should be. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, but I don't know. I think it was Scott who was saying, though, one of my favorite books I ever read was, was um, it's called The Tron Trilogy. And it's about one of the things, is, there's a statistician in there, it's a Star Wars book. And he's basically, the guy's hopelessly lost. And he goes, No, I'm not going to try and fight this. I've lost this thing. It doesn't mean I've lost the overall war. And so you have to marshal your resources well. Yeah. And I think the difference is that we have resources we can marshal. Yes, Arsenal had a good result. And credit to them i'm my the guy a guy i work with who sits opposite me he's a gooner and so i've got to put up with shit all week but you will but here's the thing though i think ultimately in the long term this age i mean i thought jay's played very very well but you know what if he goes down they're they're, they're, they're fucked yeah they so, don't have they don't have the depth that we do yeah and, and obviously think, at the moment with with kulisevsky down and and davis down i mean there, there, there are some well, lucas gone. but i think yeah lucas is hurt been, which Okay, <laughs> fair enough. What I'm saying, but... is, what I'm saying is we, we, we can actually marshal our resources and hopefully it, it's a case of, you know what, maybe we have to start playing 3-5-2. Maybe we have to start doing things, things a little bit differently. And yeah. I'd love to see how... Cause I, I, and I don't know how good Frankfurt actually are because obviously they beat Rangers. So I don't know how good they are. But um, it'll be interesting to see how, if we do decide, you know what, let's see if we can make these changes and let's see how they work against a team like Frankfurt and can we bring them in, you know, because I saw Brian today against Liverpool. And they were superb, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I ain't looking forward to that drive. It's going to be like, oh my god, because they were looking really tasty. Yeah, Bre- well, Brighton's always kind of a team that that will challenge, and you know, it'll it'll be a fun week. It'll be an interesting week um, within the camp. But like I said, to your point, it will be interesting to see if they change it up because some of the injuries that they have, but also some of the players that we saw today, mainly Skip and Doherty. And obviously, you're going to be without Emerson in the league for for a few matches, and unless that red card does get overturned, um, but I would love to see Matt Doherty get a run out uh, out there, or maybe even Jets Bents. Like, who knows? That would be uh, really interesting. Um, unfortunately for Spurs, the three one defeat to Arsenal was not the only uh, defeat to Arsenal that they suffered in the last week. Last Saturday, uh, before we got a chance to, or after we got a chance to pod, uh, the women suffered a 4-0 defeat at the hands of the Arsenal women. That game was at the Emirates, correct? It was. It happened to be a record-breaking crowd for the WSL. Yeah, I thought so. And uh, it did not go well for the Spurs women, uh, Caroline. You want to fill us in on what the hell went wrong there? Yeah, to say it did not go well would be an understatement, unfortunately. Uh I will say that in the context of the season, it's not the end of the world that we dropped the points here. Um, so that's what I'm trying to remind myself. <laughs> but it, it just was not a good game. We, we, we've had a bit of an early injury crisis, which feels horrible considering that the transfer window just closed. Um, I kind of feel like we needed to have done some more to, to bolster the squad depth because it's clearly an issue already. Um, but yeah, we we just conceded some some truly dumb goals. Um, I, I know I mentioned earlier that I would have to defend Becky Spencer. Our second goal came because there was a moment when she was trying to pass out from the back, um, right in the center of the pitch, to Evelina Suminen. And you know, Evelina, I don't think she's been having a good season. And 
she just did not seem prepared to be receiving that ball in that moment. And it was very unlike her. Uh, so that's why I attribute that mistake more to her than to Becky. Um, but, you know, to Arsenal women's credit, they, they did play well and they are very good from set pieces, um, which we should have known from last season with Miedema getting that last minute equalizer when we played them at home. Um, she got another header in this game and, I think the player's name is Rafaela. Um, she's a defender for Arsenal that hadn't played much last season because of injury, but she's really like an up-and-comer for them. And uh, she also scored from a corner. And we just did not have any sort of attacking impetus at all in this game. Um, we, we looked like we were just completely set up to, to absorb pressure and try to limit the scoreline. And it's not what you want to see, especially with the club – having such a big talk lately about ambition and wanting to challenge the top sides. And, you know, frankly, even last season, we played better against the top teams than we did in this game. So it, it feels a little bit like a step backwards, but there are mitigating factors. So I don't know. I feel like don't panic yet, but we need to see a response in the cup game tomorrow is how I feel. Pass, can I ask, are Arsenal, I know Arsenal are very good. They're always in the Champions League and that kind of stuff. But is it just because of like they've? Because I know there's a lot of excitement like post the Euros about the women's game and everything else. But is it because of they've actually just improved their squad a huge amount? They've invested massive amounts, and that's why the goal is a lot bigger than than we would have hoped it would be. Or is it just a case of just Arsenal all that good anyway, and therefore we are still playing, we're still so behind. So our catch up game, even though we've improved, is nowhere near as enough. Well, I I think it's good to phrase it as like we're still playing catch up because they already had a very good squad from last season. So they, they didn't really have to make that many changes in the transfer window. I think probably their biggest decision was just making sure that Miedema stayed with the club because her contract was up. Um, but other than that, Lena Hertig is, you know, pretty much the biggest name that they brought in. And with Spurs, we, I think it was good that we tried to go more attacking with some of our signings, but I think some of them are still young players who need time and are not going to be an immediate results kind of addition to the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, so, it's also we're a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and you like you said, it's, it's important to note that it's just the second match of the season. Obviously things got mm -hmm. backed up after the postponements following uh, the death of queen Elizabeth and, it's just the second match of the season. Um, they obviously won the first one and and lost this one, and and now we move on. Um, as you said, there's a the league cup match against Reading on Sunday. We're recording this on Saturday, uh, the first. The league cup match. So if you're listening to this uh, Saturday evening, uh, cup match for for the women on Sunday, and then uh, they return to action not until the 16th of October uh, against yeah. Liverpool women. Um, Will that so, be on play or FA player? Because I don't know. Because I know league games are on FA player, but league cup is that on first play? So our game is going to be on the FA player. They only show select games for the cups, which is annoying. But we lucked out this time, and that our game was the one selected. So, okay. right on. So we'll we'll look forward to that, and look forward to uh, we'll talk about that result on next week's pod as well, um, and also talk about uh, on the men's side as we said a lot of, a lot of games coming for for both sides um especially on the men's side i looked at the, the this is one of those months of this season on the men's side of the game that's going to be so compact i think it's this month of october and i think it's the month of april which are just so jam-packed with basically two games a week especially if like spurs you're in europe um so it's 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 gonna be busy. We're gonna have a lot of games to talk about here uh, on the Tottenham Depot over the next uh, handful of weeks and frankly months. And then for that little bit of time in the winter, we're gonna have to make some make some shit up as we go into World Cup, uh, which is fine. We 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 we've we've been able to make shit up before, especially when we've got Scott here. Scott makes shit up all the time, so I just wanted to get his attention. I just wanted to get his attention because it didn't look like he had any idea that we were still doing a podcast for a moment there. <laughs> oh, I'm always, I'm always here. He's a little multitasker. You know? I'm ready to, I'm ready to sign off here and, uh, and see if I can break through and beat Scott's ass in some FIFA the rest of the day. Uh, this has been a fun one, despite it not being a fun result. 
Thank you to Caroline at CG Stefko for joining. Thank you to Scott. He is at DSM Spurs. Shuban is at The Real Shuban. And I am at A Stetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. That really helps the podcast get out to others. Uh, it helps the awareness of the pod when you, when you drop that rating and review um, and share the pod out to your Spurs loving friends because uh, we love to spread the word about what we're doing here at the depot. So uh, until next week, when we've got plenty more to talk about with this club that we love so much, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast as always come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, what really makes this happen supporters make this club and you the listener are what make this podcast possible be sure to follow us on twitter at tottenham depot and as always come on you spurs